Turn your Bible, please, to Mark chapter 1. Mark, the first chapter. May we bow together in a moment of prayer. Our Father, we thank you that thou hast commissioned us to keep the Lord lights burning. And we pray that every one of us in this place and those who listen by radio would determine on the first day of the year, the first Sunday of this year, that we're going to be the lower lights. We recognize Jesus as the light of the world, but we're his lower lights along the shores of the continents and isles of the sea and in the cities and the countryside. And may we be willing to pay that price to be those lower lights. We pray that the Holy Spirit will do his work of conviction and drawing people to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. In Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 16, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and went after him. With that as a basis and a background, I want to lift verse 17 out. And uh, the message this morning will be a theme message. Jesus said, come after me and I will make you to become. In the context, he said, fishers of men. He was talking to James and John and, and Peter and Andrew. Now, by way of introduction, we're not to think that this is the first time those men had ever seen Jesus. They already knew him. As a matter of fact, if you read closely the book of John, when John the Baptist was preaching, he interrupted his preaching one day and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Standing with John were two of his own disciples, Andrew and John, the beloved who later became the beloved apostle. And the scripture text says, Andrew and John left John the Baptist and began to follow Jesus. And they went home with him and said, Sir, where do you dwell? And Jesus said, You come and see. And then the, the text especially points out Andrew went and found his brother, Peter, Simon. He said, come, I found the Messiah. And so Andrew brought his brother Peter to Jesus. This is the same Simon Peter mentioned here. And so Simon Peter and Andrew were already in the way with Christ. So to speak, they were already saved when I say, so to speak, 
What I'm meaning is the scripture doesn't exactly say it that way, but it implies that. They were already, they had received Christ into their heart, but they'd gone back to their fishing. And Jesus said, when he saw them in their fishing habitat, back in their own vocations and avocations, he said, you come after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Remember, it is possible to be a disciple and not be saved. Judas Iscariot was a disciple of the Lord for three years, never saved. It is possible to be saved and not be a disciple. There are many people who have received Christ, but they're never following. They never walk with him. And so in this text, we're talking about both, receiving Christ and following him. And Jesus said to Andrew and to Peter, and I believe to James and John, follow me and I will make you to become. Very briefly, three statements, three thoughts, I will make you to become. First of all, Jesus is saying, I will make you to become what God made you to be in the beginning. Most of us are disappointed in ourselves. If we really got down to the nitty gritty with all that are in the congregation here and by radio, those who have lived long enough to contemplate their own lives and their own actions, most of us would have to say, I'm disappointed in myself. Now, of course, many of us have lived long enough to be disappointed in others. And I suppose that we sometimes dwell on that to the exclusion of being disappointed in ourselves. Because if we sit down and contemplate what it means to be disappointed in ourselves, we become disconsolate, we become depressed. And most of us try to avoid that. But very frankly, I'd like to ask you to get alone with yourself for a few moments and think of what God made you to be and what you really are. What God made us to be and what we really are. And Jesus is saying to these men, follow me and I will make you to become what God made for you to be and meant for you to be. We are made in God's image. In Genesis chapter one and two, the record says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female created he them. We come to chapter three, Satan came on the scene and he tempted Eve and Eve tempted Adam and together they went into sin and they became disappointed in themselves and they hid themselves. And they sowed fig leaves to hide their nakedness. And God came walking in the cool of the garden and said, Adam, where art thou? And there was silence. Adam didn't even answer. He was hiding from God because of sin. He was not what God intended for him to be. Neither are any of us what God intended for us to be 
until there comes a juncture in life where we meet Christ at the crossroads. And Jesus said, come after me and I will make you to become what God wanted you to be. The image is marred. We become despondent, we become discouraged, we become distraught. We're at outs with ourselves and with others. We're not what God really intended for us to be at all. Now, the scripture speaks of leprosy many times. And later on in this same chapter, there's the leper who gets healed. Leprosy was so feared and was fled from in Israel as the stroke of God. Leprosy was the most fearful and most hated disease known to man. Leprosy was so loathsome and so utterly incurably deadly that it was not looked upon as an ordinary disease at all, but rather as a special creation in God's anger, a direct curse from God, both the both to punish sin and at the same time to teach his people something of what an accursed thing sin really is. So the whole nature of leprosy and all the laws laid down for its treatment and miraculous nature of its so seldom cure all combined to work into the imagination and into the consciousness and into the heart and into the ritual and into the literature of Israel some of our deepest lessons about the terrible nature of sin and its only proper treatment. For sin is like leprosy in this. It is the most mysterious, stroke-like, malignant, loathsome, and mockingly incurable of all our incurable ills. Sin is like leprosy in this also. A man is great with men and honorable and a mighty deliverer, even like Naaman in the Old Testament, but all the time he is a sinner. And not until we have discovered that we're a sinner is there any hope for us. As long as we go along thinking everything's all right, I'm about as good as the next fellow. I'm about as good as the neighbor next door. I'm about as good as my brother or my sister or my husband or my wife or, or the people in the school with me or the people in the office with me. I'm about like they are. Maybe I'm a little bit better than they are. As long as we have that attitude, we'll never, never come under the scrutiny of God's Holy Spirit who wants us to become what God meant for us to be. And so Jesus is saying to these, come after me and I will make you to become. And he says the same thing today. If you'll come after me, I will make you to become what God intended for you to be. Secondly, if you will come after me, I will make you to become the blessing to others that you really want to be. You know, most of us want to be a help to other people. Now, there are some old, smell, smuggish scrooges in this world who don't really care about anybody else, and they want to just go through life being what they want to be and really not caring about anyone else. But I would say not many of you are like that. Even if you're in this church today, or you're listening by radio and you're lost, never been saved, I would say that you'd really want to be a help to others. The very thing that led you to be in tune with this service this morning, either in person or by radio, 
is the fact that you want to lift yourself. You care about yourself, you care about other people. And somehow there's that, that desire deep inside to be a help and a blessing. That's the reason there's a lot of philanthropy. That's the reason the Salvation Army was able to collect a lot of money at Christmas time. Those men, people standing around ringing bells on the street corners and at, at department stores. It wasn't just Christians that put money in there. It was people that wanted to help others. And so we try and try and try, but we really don't know how to help others. Jesus said, if you'll come after me, I will give you the power to become a help to other people. The strength that other people need. Cyrus Nosbaum wrote these words. Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with him within the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden and carry all your load? Let him have his way with thee. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see it was best for him to have his way with thee. The world is lonely. <clears throat> People are confused. Somebody today needs a friend. They need you. But if you became their friend, what would you give them? My heart goes out to alcoholics and to drug addicts, people who are stuck on these awful, awful habits. One of the things I've noticed among alcoholics, they tend to hang around each other. And they somehow want the help from others. And I've known a lot of alcoholics that have really wanted to help another alcoholic. But they don't know how to do it. until they meet Jesus. I've known people that are hooked on drugs and they, I've, I've talked with them, they said, well, that guy needs help. He needs help, I'm gonna to try to help him. And they don't really know how to help him. I've known people that are hooked on sex sins and they wanna lift others. If you notice the comradeship of the movie stars, they all wanna help each other, but they don't know how to help each other. I've been interested in the modern disease of AIDS. And if you read about it, you'll read that one person that has AIDS wants to help another person that has AIDS. But they don't know how to do it. But my beloved friend Jesus said, come after me and I will make you to become the kind of friend that can help somebody else, that can lift them. In London, there was a precious young lady in a home that left home. Her mother was deeply concerned. She put out feelers as to where her daughter might be and she learned that she was walking the streets in a red light district. So night after night, she would go out and try to find her daughter and one night as she went along the lamp-lit streets of London, in the foggy night, 
She saw a young lady up there that looked like her daughter and she ran down the street and went right up to her, put her arms on her, around her and pulled her to herself and then she discovered it wasn't her daughter at all. Oh, she said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I, I thought you were my daughter. And she started to go away and the girl that she had found that was not her daughter said, oh, I wish somebody would look for me. I wish somebody would look for me. Beloved, there are people that wish somebody would look for them. Somebody would try to find them. Somebody would try to help them. Somebody would reach out a hand of love, a hand of care. I talked to a young man just this last week. Came to our church for a while and then just didn't come. I would sometimes go by his house and leave a note, couldn't find him. Found him in, in problems and trouble, drunk. He said to me, well, when I miss church, nobody came to see about me. Now, it would be easy for me to say, well, so what? You ought to have gotten on your own two feet and come on back. That's true. That certainly is true. But oh, listen, there are people who are so defeated, so discouraged, so distraught, their feelings so turned inward, so lack of self-worth that they look all around them and feel nobody cares. Nobody's come after them. Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you to become the kind of friend that can go after people. I will make you a fisher of men. The greatest task we have on the earth is to be a fisher, a fisherman for men. Those of you who are fishermen for fish, or you're fishermen for doves, or you're fishermen for deer, I'm using the term collectively. Those of you who are always uh, having in your mind, I wish the deer season would come in, or I, I, I like to go rabbit hunting, or I like to go fishing, or I like to go after the quail and so on. Listen, Jesus said, I have a more important responsibility for you Something will be remembered in eternity. Some will be remembered forever and forever and forever and forever. If you come and follow me, I will make you to become a fisherman for men. And oh, the immeasurable joy of seeing a man or a woman or a boy or a girl kneel before the throne of God and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want you, I need you. You see, not only do you rescue somebody, not only do you throw out the lifeline and pull them in from their depths in degradation and self-worthlessness, but there's something that happens inside of you. There's a new joy, there's a new peace, there's a new power, there's a new authority, there's a new sense of importance. You're really somebody because you've helped lift somebody out of the sinking sand. Roland Hill, 
was a man that uh, used to be a miner in England. And one day the mine caved in and Roland Hill became a hero overnight. He organized a rescue team and went in after his fellow miners and brought them out one by one. And his name was put in the paper. He became a hero. Everybody thought Roland Hill was really something. And then Roland Hill got saved. His whole perspective got changed. He became what they called a fanatic. Everywhere he went, he was like Dr. Earl Tapley. He would try to win somebody to Christ in a restaurant or on the street or anywhere else. And they said, he's crazy, he's crazy, he's crazy. And one day he stood on the street corner preaching. He said, when I rescued those men from the mine, from physical death, you made me a hero. And I'm trying to rescue people from spiritual death. And you say, I'm crazy. Jesus said, follow me. And I will make you to become a fisher for men. And all oh, the thrill and joy and the excitement of seeing somebody come to faith in Jesus Christ. Who fished for you? Go back in your mind's remembrance for a moment. Who is it that came to you? Tried to help you come to Christ. Maybe it was your mother. Maybe it was your daddy. Maybe your brother or sister, a Sunday school teacher. Maybe somebody was a friend. Came and knocked on your heart's door. You thought it was just a chance invitation. Listen, God sent them to you. God did that because he had a purpose for you. But I want to tell you, when you gave your heart to Christ, there was unutterable joy in the heart of that one who came to you. It's like a mother. She's with child for nine months. There are things that happen in her body that are very difficult. Sometimes serious sickness and sometimes near death. And then at the point of delivery, she goes down to the very sh valley of the shadow of death to bring a new life into the world. And there's pain and misery. But as soon as that little child comes out of the womb and is in the arms of the mother, that pain is forgotten. And there's joy, unspeakable joy. Now, so it will be with you. If you'll follow Christ close enough for him to make you a fisher of men. I will make you fishers of men if you'll follow me. God wants us to follow him. Now last of all, Jesus said unto them, come after me and I will make you to become and in John chapter 1, the Holy Spirit reminds John that Jesus didn't just say a fisher of men. He said, I will make you to become the sons of God. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. If you're within the sound of our voice today and you've not ever been saved. You've never received Christ as your Savior. You've never opened your heart to Him and invited Him to come in and be your personal Lord and Savior. He wants to do it.
quit. I can't do it. The problem isn't with Jesus. You see, the Bible never says, follow me and you'll be saved and you'll go to heaven. The Bible says, receive me and you'll be saved and go to heaven. There's a difference. The gospel is the story of Jesus' death on a cross, his burial, and his resurrection. He is alive today. If the gospel stopped with the death and burial, we would have no hope. But Jesus not only died and was buried, he was raised the third day and he's alive today. And to become a Christian means to receive the living Christ inside of you, inside of your body, to receive him inside of you. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God and all that that means. Now it's possible to follow Jesus. And never be saved. That's sad. I think that explains why we've seen in many revival meetings people come down the aisle who were followers of Jesus. And they say, I've never been saved. And everybody just can't just can hardly believe it. They raise their eyebrows and they say, well, I don't understand this. This person, why, he was an exemplary person in the church. He says he's never been saved. He was a follower, but had never been, had never received Christ. It is possible to be a disciple and not be saved. Are you sure you have received the Christ? Or are you just trying to follow him? See, to become a Christian doesn't mean that Jesus is out there and I'm going to try to follow him and walk after him and do all the things he tells me to do. That becomes legalistic. And I think one reason the church is accused of legalism sometimes is because those who have been trying to follow Jesus say, well, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And all they ask me to do is this and this and this, and I just tell you it's a bunch of legalism, and so I'm going to quit. The problem is they've never been saved. Christ has never lived in their heart, because when Jesus comes in and you really receive him, he gives you a new nature, a nature that loves the things of God, that hates the things that you used to do, Whereas once I was lost, I'm now found. Where I was blind, I'm now I can see. John Newton is an example of this. Out on the high seas, he'd been a slave trader and immoral and impure and everything else. And God moved upon his life in answer to his mother's prayer who died when he was seven years old. And John Newton asked Christ to come into his heart and change him and save him. And Jesus did that. He received Christ. And even after he received Christ, John Newton sinned. But when he sinned, he was miserable. His nature had been changed. And he went back and tried to do the same old things. He got away from God for a while. He tried to do the same old things that he used to do. And he was miserable until he came one day and said, Lord, I want to not only receive you, I want to follow you. And then he wrote that wonderful song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Dearly beloved, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you've received Christ as your Savior? 
come after me and I will make you to become. First of all, what God meant for you to be. The image of God in your life has been marred irreparably and only Jesus can change that, receiving him. Secondly, I will make you to become what others need for you to be. Their best friend, a friend that will lift them up, a friend that will stick closer than a brother because Jesus is in you and you will love them and help them along life's uncertain ways. Thirdly, Jesus said, I'll make you to become sons of God. I'll, I'll just change everything about you. In, instead of being a child of the devil and child of hell, you'll become a child of God. You'll be God's wonderful child. Has that ever happened in your life? If it has, thank you. If it hasn't, why not today? Just say, Lord, I want you in my heart and my life. Maybe bow together in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Our Father, we thank you that Jesus is the living way, the new and living way. And he is able to secure all who will come to him. And he's able to change their lives and their minds and their destiny and make us sons of God. We pray that those who have tried to follow Jesus but have never received him would go back and say, Lord, I need to come to the cross and receive you as my Savior. And those who have received him but are never following him would come back and say, Lord, I have received you. I'm your child, but I have not been walking with you. I have not been the fisher of men that you want me to be, and I want to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May we stand, please. Would you turn your hymn books to this wonderful song, Jesus, I Come, number 345. Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come. And as we sing this God's invitation, would you step out for Christ this morning? Whoever you are, here, or those who are in tune with our voice at another place, would you right now just say, Lord, I need you, I want you. If I've never been saved, I want to invite Christ to come into my heart to be my Savior today. If I've been saved, I want to start walking with you and serving you. I want to be a fisher of men. I want to be a friend in a dark and disillusioned world. I want to be somebody God can use. Would you step out for Christ while we begin to sing?